0: BLOB TALK RADIO Hi there, I'm Laura Myers, Pediatric Speech-Language Pathologist and welcome to Teach Me To Talk, the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about sort of an extension from last week's show. And if you'll remember in show number 360, We talked about activities for Easter eggs for toddlers and how you can use those with all kinds of toddlers, and we looked at goals and activities for virtually every language developmental level. I want to say I got a lot of good feedback from that, and if you sent me an email about that, thank you so much. And let me just take this moment to say, boy, I get hundreds of emails in a day, and I try to respond, but there's just no way to get to all of them and so if you are emailing me especially if you've emailed me a couple times and haven't heard back please know that I just wish that I could respond to every single one and I, I just kind of want to kind of put that out there so please don't feel slighted or like it's not important or whatever you may be feeling about that just know that I am stretched pretty thin right now but that will not last forever when we get our new clinic open and I have Uh, staff again to help me with that sort of thing, I'll I'll be back on track. So I just wanted to put that out there in case you feel like I keep emailing her and I don't hear back from her. So just just know that. Know that my heart is in the right place and I just need to get enough uh, assistance to make that actually possible for me to fulfill those uh, requests that you're sending me. All right. So today's show is an extension from last week's and we're going to be talking about Seasonal things that you can do with late-talking toddlers that may be a little different from your normal routines. One of the things that I think lots of us try to do with young children is play outside. Now, I know that that is not possible for everyone, and every time I do a show about this, they say things like, you live in the country, in Kentucky, those of us who live in downtown Chicago or in Boston, in the city, or in a cold climate, or, you know, again, it's usually people who live in climates that are really different from uh, us here in the United States, or places that, again, may prohibit getting outside with a child every day. And I understand that, and please don't feel like that I'm saying to you, you must do this. I'm just saying, when you get an opportunity to play outside Nature is so important for kids, and it's so regulating to have children out in the fresh air, getting sunshine. Everyone ends up, including you, ends up sleeping better and just being happier and being calmer and more regulated when we can make that time in our really, really busy schedules. And as therapists, we need to share that information with parents and talk about the differences in childhood now versus when we grew up. And even if you're not 50 too like I am. You still probably played outside, even if you, uh, even if even if you lived in a, a town, lived in a city. You still probably managed to get outside, and so it is more difficult today for parents to be able to manage that, especially since uh, the advent of technology is just the the popularization or the normalization of technology that we give phones and tablets to babies to occupy them when we used to do that in different ways. And even if we weren't going outside, we were still keeping our doors open and our windows open and putting toddlers right in front of the door so that they could watch outside and they could see birds and see pet house you know, house pets, someone else's pet, you know, the next-door neighbor or from across the street. Or if you live in rural Kentucky like I do, cows, <laughs> cows next door. Those are big around here. Kids love cows and love seeing cows. So that kind of information for parents is super, super important as a therapist. You know, talk about, ask parents, did you play outside when you were little? What are some things that you remember doing? And, again, we're talking about toddlers here. So we can't, of course, the, we can't put a toddler outside by themselves and expect them to be safe. And, you know, oh, boy, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying let's make sure that we are talking with parents about routine behaviors every day and daily routines that they can do with children that are really, really beneficial. And so one of those things is, providing the opportunity for them to do something different from their inside, uh, normal kind of day-to-day routine, and getting outside is the easiest most of the time and cheapest and fastest way to accomplish adding a little oomph in a child's everyday routines. And so I got this question a couple of weeks ago from a mom, a listener, and she said, can you give me some new ideas for some verbal routines to do with my child when we play outside. And this is a darling family. I just love them all the pieces. And he is a little boy who has a few words that really, again, hasn't crossed that threshold yet where he's really, really talking. And so I think it's so... Astute of this mom to say, Hey, I've read your book, Building Verbal Routines, uh, Building Verbal Imitation Skills in Toddlers, and I know that my little boy is at this verbal routine stage. And so let's talk about that. Let's talk about the kids who verbal routines work best for. This is usually children who may be popping out a couple of Words, but they're not really consistent yet. They may have a really small core vocabulary. These are children who may or usually are already using some exclamatory words and some play sounds, so they're already doing some animal noises. They're already saying words like "wee" and wow and uh-oh. But again, they may not be doing it with any regularity. And so it's kind of confusing for parents because you think at this point, boy, he's ready to talk. Any minute now, he's just going to bust out with a word here, but it's lagging that there's some kind of gap there. And so for those kinds of children especially, verbal routines work really, really well because what you're teaching a child is when to talk, when to use a word that he's already learned, when can he insert that, and then more importantly, you're providing that structure so that he understands, hey, now it's time for me to say this word, and it's predictable. Like, let's let's take for example, a verbal routine or an automatic phrase like one, two, three. So after a child has heard a mom say one, two, his little brain expects her to say three. That's the beauty of this. Uh, and let's take another example, like a song, a song that a child has heard over and over and over. You are singing something like, um, twinkle, twinkle, little, and then their little brains fill in the word star. And so when we get kids verbal enough, they are going to pop that word out. And, again, it really hinges on automatic speech, being so well known to that child that he or she can really not stop themselves. From using that word. And when I get kids to the verbal routine phase, I just get so excited about that because it does really feel like language is just around the corner. But the kicker is. They're only using those real words during very, very familiar routines. So they have to have heard the routine or heard the song or heard whatever it is that you're using as your verbal routine. They have to have heard that over and over and over. And so time is your number one requirement for a child being able to complete some verbal routines. And so that means that you have to be really, really repetitive and really, really intentionally focused on helping that child hear that routine long enough and it be so firmly established in his or her little memory that that word is uh, just, again, it's virtually impossible to stop them from saying it. And, that's, uh, and it does hinge on their verbal ability. Kids who aren't very noisy, and you aren't already trying to say some words and imitate some words and make some sounds, really aren't ready for this verbal routine level yet. Now, I have had some children that... I've seen, oh gosh, just even in the first session or two, and I just lapse into these verbal routines all the time because that really is kind of the core of what I do with kids. I, I, I use a lot of things that are so well known to me and they're, they've just worked in my 25-year career and so you know, I don't reinvent the wheel for every single kid. I pull from what I know usually works you know, that's part of our clinical expertise as therapists. We we learn, we remember, oh, boy, this has worked with 10 other kids, and it might work for him too. And so I use a ton of verbal routines just no matter what a kid's developmental level is because I think, well, if they're not ready to use these routines yet, they will be someday, and I'm going to put this time in, I'm going to go ahead and do this hard work right now in preparation for when they get ready to talk. This will be one of the first things that I probably hear them say. And so because I lapse into this pretty easily and just, again, kind of automatically without thinking about it too much in sessions with children, I have had some kids that have really surprised me, that I didn't think they were developmentally ready to complete these phrases and to pop out these words in these songs and these familiar routines. But, you know, it happens. (laughs) And so sometimes we get a surprise like that. But more often than not, kids are already noisy when they begin to use words in verbal routines. You have heard some attempts at word approximation, so they may not be completely intelligible, but they are trying to talk at least a little bit. And so what we're doing right now is providing that in-between step, that bridge, that will help them learn to use these real words, but only during highly scripted or very familiar context. So this is like a kid if you're a therapist you might have a kid that can say go but only if you say ready set and then he can say go or he can imitate it even after you've said it in that context but otherwise you're not really hearing him say go it has to he has to have that that advance warning as you're saying ready and set and so that preparatory work has to be there that little It's tied to hearing those other two words. Otherwise, he can't use it. And so when you have a child like that that you're working with as a therapist or as a parent and you think, you know, he only really uses the the five or six words that he has, he really only uses them in very, very specific routines, that's a kid that you know that verbal routines will work really, really well for. And so instead of trying to bump that kind of kid up to the next level where you're trying to get him to imitate a lot of different words and you're really focused on that talking, talking, talking piece, you really should take a step back and look at this verbal verbal routines um, kind of just develop a whole set of these things that you use with him day in and day out to really really increase the frequency of the words that he's using. Now we'll talk about how to tweak that a little later and so that you can take a word from one verbal routine and insert it into another verbal routine. But at the beginning, these kinds of words should be pretty distinct and pretty um, pretty separate, and you, you're going to use them really, again, mostly tied to the context of where you establish your verbal routine. So let's talk about well, – well, let me give you some – if you're a therapist, you'll be interested in this. Please know that verbal routines and using this – oh, gosh – if you're a therapist, you already know this, but if you're a parent, you probably don't. This is not my idea. <laughs> this is not original to Laura Mize or any other therapist, by that matter, because this is how our brains work. And this is why you can hear a song today in 2019 from 2008, and you don't even know how you remember these words, but you remember the words <laughs> because that speech became and that language became so routine for you and it's still even if you have not heard that song in 10 or 11 years you can remember that song and sometimes memories are so closely tied to these kinds of things you may remember the boy that you dated then you know you'll hear a song and even if you're you know 30 40 50 you remember a high school crush that you had and you played that song over and over and over but you haven't heard it in years and you're immediately taken back to that and you remember those words And so, again, neurologically, this is a really interesting principle here that our brains uh, crave that familiar language that we've heard before and so again we can recall that and we can we can use those words even when we haven't thought about it in a long time and that's really what's happening with toddlers when we introduce these little sayings these phrases or these songs or these finger plays, that's what we're doing we're establishing that routine and making that really really familiar now as a therapist, please know that this also is evidence-based meaning that other experts in our field have said, hey, this is a really good idea. Now, I don't have specific journal articles to point you to, but I have uh, experts, again, therapists who are so, oh, just giants in our field and approaches who, that have, are, are so evidence-based, meaning that there are studies that really support the use of verbal routines. And sometimes with just specific populations of children, like the teach method or using visual supports, one of the other components of that program, mostly for children with autism, but you can certainly use the teach method with all kinds of children too. But just that structure, one, one of the, the hinges or components of that program is really using verbal routines so that children know what to expect. And so lot, most of those activities are really visually driven. However, when you read their original literature, they talk so much about establishing routines, not only with what children see and what they do, but also with what they hear. So that would be our verbal routine here. Certainly Dr. Rossetti, author of the Rossetti Infant Toddler Language Scales, a a renowned professor from uh, University of Wisconsin. I believe I'm saying, I believe that's his institution. I haven't looked that up in a while, but he is just a giant in our field of early intervention and with toddlers, and he, if you've ever got the opportunity to hear him speak live, he talked about the value of verbal routines, and that, that's one of the things that he really taught parents to think about at bath time, let's make sure that I'm saying the same thing day in and day out, because it, it not only supports expressive language, that we're talking about today are helping a child learn to say these words, but it also supports receptive language, helping a child understand what words mean and helping them be able to know what comes next and to follow the routine. And so that's another benefit of verbal routines. And, again, this isn't just specifically tied to kids with autism or kids with uh, cognitive deficits, but all kids with a language delay. And certainly, actually, I would think all young children benefit from verbal routines. And if you'll think about it, one of the one of the things that really successful preschool teachers and even kindergarten and, say, first-grade teachers do is they have lots and lots of verbal routines to manage their classrooms. And think back to when you were in kindergarten or first grade or second grade. If you had just one of your favorite teachers who just was passionate and you knew that she loved her job and she was just great with you and all the kids loved her, she was everybody's favorite teacher, I bet one of the strategies she used was verbal routines because she knew what worked with young children. And she was able to take little songs and little things that she said and really, really get children excited about learning and help children know what to expect next in their routine at school. So kind of think about those things. I'll I'll tell you a little story. Last week I was in Walmart And just a really engaging cashier and talking with her, and turns out she's a retired teacher. And she was telling me about some of the little things that she had done with her children, just some silly little things that she – little games she created. And I thought, she said she taught fifth graders. And she was just, again, just so cute in remembering those little routines that they had done. And I thought, those are verbal routines. That's, that lady used this masterfully and with with fifth graders. And so this, again, is a, a strategy so well-known and so effective. So I wanted to give you that sort of as establishing credibility for uh, and confidence so that you can understand that this strategy really 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 works for kids all right so we've already talked about some examples of verbal routines and we've already talked about why they work they're repetitive they're predictable and again for our little friends who really crave order particularly our friends with autism these are super super effective however it's really really easy For some of our little friends who have red flags for autism who are echolalic or on the verge of being echolalic, for you to want to just teach them tons and tons of verbal routines and then be satisfied. Oh, they're talking. Oh, the pressure's off. This is great. Be really, really careful with verbal routines and overusing those with children like that because lots of times those children are talking but not communicating. And what I mean by that is... They certainly know how to use their speech. They certainly are intelligible. You can make out the words that they're saying, but they're not always appropriate because that receptive language or that cognitive piece, that comprehension piece is missing. So while it's very, very tempting to use a ton of verbal routines, even with kids who are highly verbal already but not really, really communicating, those kids are... um, beyond where you should be using this strategy, you should really be doubling down on receptive language with those kids and really, really working on helping them link meaning with words. Now, kids who, and those would be the kids, too, that have their expressive language skills are higher than their receptive language skills. So they may be talking a blue streak but have a really hard time following directions and have uh, just are, are not great at doing routine kinds of command things like finding body parts on request or even just completing a simple requests, maybe even like pointing to pictures and books or, uh, or following directions with toys. I can't do that kind of thing, but it's really misleading because I can't talk. So using verbal routines with those kinds of children, you want to be super, super careful about that because really your focus should be not on expressive language with those kids, but on receptive language. Now, I'm getting a little bit off target, but I just felt really led to say that. So I know that there's somebody out there who needed to hear that. (laughs) So I hope that if that is you, you will take that caution and back up and work on comprehension with those kinds of kids. But for the rest of us, talking about just working with children who are like talkers, who are at that level where they just have a little core set of vocabulary, but you're not able to get much beyond that. Or for kids who maybe love music but you haven't really been able to get anything going beyond them dancing a little bit with it or, or they're really at that pre-verbal phase. You're starting to hear some vocalizations but they're not really consistent yet. Go ahead and implement some verbal routines with those kinds of kids because, again, those are the children that this technique works best with. All right, so let's talk about some kinds of verbal routines that you can use. And, again, remember our focus for today is looking at outside activities that we can do with children. But I want to make sure that you have some good examples so that you know exactly what we're talking about ahead of time. We've already talked about those really simple examples like ready, set, go, and examples like one, two, three, and things like songs. I think I gave the example Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star. So other songs that you sing with a child day in and day out. And so remember what we're trying to do is use the routine long enough so that children begin to participate, meaning that they're linking meaning to the words, they recognize the routine. When you start to say the words, they light up, and finally they begin to say the words themselves. But here's the kicker. You cannot expect them to use the word to fill in the blank, so to speak, unless they've heard it dozens and dozens and dozens of times. So don't get discouraged. If you've not really tried this strategy with your own child or as a therapist, if you're introducing this strategy to a family, be sure that you're telling a mom or dad, don't get discouraged if you don't hear that word the first few times that you start to use this little routine. It may take days or weeks or sometimes even months before you begin to hear that word from a late talker. And that's just because the nature of language delay. It's not that the strategy's not working. It's that the child has not had enough time to really master, first of all, remembering the routine. And then secondly, he's got to pull himself together verbally. He's got to come together there for he's verbal enough to be able to try to imitate that word and get the right word uh, in that context as you're using it. And the other thing that you can do with this, again, after you've used these kinds of routines over and over and over, is you really can begin to anticipate when a child is ready to jump in and say that word. So like the example we were doing before with ready, set, you know, and you're almost doing a gasp there or just that anticipatory vocalization that you were doing that lets a child know, you know, something's coming up. It's your turn to talk. What will you say? What is that word that's supposed to go there? And you're making your face so engaging. You're just right in front of them. Your eyes are probably wider than they normally are. You look totally animated. You know, if you were taking a selfie, you would probably be surprised with how just on ready or how anticipatory your face looks at that point. And that's exactly what you should be doing. So you can't really not set it up and then expect a child to be able to fill in that routine. It's got to sound different than how you normally talk to a child in regular conversation. So if you're saying ready, set, you know, a child probably won't fill in that word until he has heard that and used that many, 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 many times when you've gone to great lengths to set it up, like we just talked about with your facial expressions and with your tone of voice and with your body language. He's got to be able to do it that way. And again, you have an important part in there in making sure that you are excited enough and that you're creating that pause and that you are that you first of all practice that routine and he's heard it over and over and over again. That's your part of that. Because you can't expect a child to be able to pop in pop out that word or fill in that word until you've done your due diligence and really, really honed in and and been so predictable and so intentional about using the routine. All right, so we already talked about ready, set, go. We already talked about things like one, two, three. We talked about some songs, even little social games where you are, say, doing peekaboo, and you're saying, you know, where's Jonathan? Where's Jonathan? Where's Jonathan? And he, you uncover his face, and then you say, boo. After a while. You should not say boo anymore. You should uncover him and, or take his hands off his eyes or jump out from behind the cabinet or closet door, whatever you've done to get peekaboo going. You need to make your face. You know, in a, a blogger many, many years ago named Lisa Rowe coined the phrase your tell me face. You know, you've got to do that and really, really set that up, and then stop saying boo. So that in, in in the game of peekaboo, so that you can give a child a chance to say boo. Now, sometimes kids catch on pretty quickly, and when is, when you start to pause, when it's a game that they know and that they love, they do start to fill it in pretty quickly. But for lots of late talkers, you again, you're going to have to do this over and over and over, where you do your you know, where's Jonathan? Where's Jonathan? Where's Jonathan? <gasps> and you're waiting for them to say boo, and then if they don't say it, say it, you go ahead and say boo, and then start your routine again. And sometimes it really takes seven or eight times of doing that in a row and really sticking with it and saying with it and giving them that focused repetition and all of those opportunities. It may take seven or eight times before they're really able to fill in boo, even if they've said boo before, even if they've imitated it, Even if they've heard it, you know, if you've not, or even if you've heard it, if you've not heard that word consistently, you've got to get them ready. I think about it sort of like priming the pump, you know. I've got to do it and do it and do it and do it, and then and only then is the child really ready to give that word back to you. So think about the games that you already play with a child as a parent or as a therapist think about the little routines that they like. One of my favorite little routines is ring around the roses. And if you'll remember, you know, you're holding hands with a child and you're walking in a circle singing, ring around the roses, pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes. We all fall down is your key word there. That's your word that you want a child to complete there. And so that's your verbal routine. And so you've done that. So after you've sung that a lot, you do need to get to the point where you are slowing down when you're singing, ashes, ashes, we all fall. So again, you're really providing that anticipation there. You're really gearing up to hear the word down, and you're looking right at him. And even if he doesn't say it right away, you still continue to present the, we all fall he doesn't say it you go ahead and say down and make a big deal about it fall down with it make it super fun super exciting but then jump back up and play that game again and then get to the point where you're saying we all fall you know and again do your pregnant pause there do your waiting see if he'll say it if he doesn't say it say down and do the whole thing again and you may have to play that game i said seven or eight times but in all actuality You might play it 25 times in one sitting. And some of you are thinking, 25 times, no way. Yes way. (laughs) That's what you have to do. That's the level of repetition that many, many, many late talkers need to be able to understand that word and then be able to retain that word, recall that word, and then be able to produce that word themselves. And so you might say, well, the kid won't stay with me that long for that routine. That's all right. Do it as many times as he'll do it. Do it three or four times. Then go ahead and do whatever he wants to do. Follow his lead. If he's run off to look at a toy or whatever, go right behind him and do that with him. But then once there's a break in the action, start bringing around the rosies again. And kids have to hear these things many, many times to remember it. And I'm saying that intentionally right now so that you – (laughs) if this is the only piece of information you retain from this whole podcast, it's how important repetition is and how long you have to do these routines before you can really, really expect them to work. So don't give up. If you've tried it a few little times and you're not hearing the word, don't just think, well, that didn't work, and move on. Stick with it. Keep at it. So think about the little games that you already do with a child and think about when... What word would this child really, really be able to fill in here? What word should he be able to say? I'll tell you, it's nearly always at the end of the phrase r- <coughs> Excuse me, rather than at the beginning. And that's a neurological principle, too. It's called backward chaining. And if you're on my email list, I sent out an email about that a couple of days ago. But that's how our brains learn things. Sometimes we think it's from the beginning, but really it's at the end because our brains, again, get primed or pumped, and we anticipate that word, and we our brains catch up with that memory like, oh, I know this, I know this, I know this, and then it's at the end of that line when a child can fill in that word. So like with ready, set, and go, you're not really expecting a child to say ready at the beginning. You're expecting him to say go, so it would be the last word. And then you can start over time to to pause so that you're just saying ready, and then a child says set and then go, but that's after a while, after the routine is even more firmly established. So think about that. Think about how I can help a child learn to fill in that last word, and so whatever routine or whatever song or whatever finger play that you're using and thinking about this principle with, think about those ends of phrases or those ends of lines. Is that a word that a child would say? Is that vocabulary appropriate? Would I expect a two-year-old to be able to say, whatever the word it is at the end of that phrase. And sometimes there are songs that you're singing. You'll think, "Oh, he really loves this song," and then it turns out the word at the end is something like, you know, alligator. It's you know, multi It's something he, a, a late talker, is just not ready to say that yet. He's just not there. And so think about that too. You know, how easy is this word to say? How familiar is this word? Does he hear this word in other contexts too? A word like down and ring around the rosies, that child probably hears down all day. Did you want me to put you down? Get down. Put that down. Can you see how understanding the word also really will help a child be able to use that word in the context of a verbal routine? Absolutely. That makes perfect sense. So think about that as well, especially if you are coming up with your own verbal routines. And this is my very favorite thing to do is to really take an activity that a child absolutely loves and then be purposeful enough for me to think, hmm, what words can I say here that will be predictable enough for me to remember to say them (laughs) over and over and over? And I'll tell you, when I'm working out this kind of thing with parents, we start to write some things down. Or a parent will now, what I want to do with parents is have them video with their phones. What they're already doing and what the child seems to like, so that we can come up with a new verbal routine together. And that's really, really valuable too. So think about what you're already doing with the child. Think about what he already likes. Think about what he responds to. Think about the familiarity of the words. And then you can probably come up with your own verbal routines for lots of things that you're doing. All right, so let's talk about some of these. And some of the, the again, the topic today was, is. Uh, supposed to be, <laughs> what we some things that we're doing and the things that we can say when we're outside. And so let me do just go ahead and give you a couple of more ideas for what you might already be doing inside, and that will help you plan some of these new routines for outside. So one of the things I do when I play with baby dolls is if we are taking a bite or feeding the baby doll, I almost always say, mmm, baby eats, Mm, mm, mm. And it doesn't matter if I'm playing with a Barbie or if we're playing with, you know, I have a real cute um, Milana doll right now from that Disney movie. It doesn't matter. Or, Or if we're playing with a stuffed dog or just whatever little character, if we're playing with any kind of little character and we're feeding that, Whatever that character is, I almost always do it the same way. You know, mm, baby eats, mm, mm, mm. or mm, take a bite. Mm, mm, mm. And so the key little verbal routine there is for a child to be able initially to say the. Mm, mm, mm. So think about that. Think about some things that you already do inside with a child. We already talked about those other little songs, other little routines that you might be doing, but think about what you're doing with those kinds of things during play so that you really understand what a verbal routine is, some of the things that you were already doing. you Maybe you let your child jump on the bed, and you hold his hands, and you count to ten while he's jumping. That's a verbal routine. And so what you'll want to start to do for lots of those things is take those same kinds of routines outside. Or think about how you can use those same things that work inside. How can I take those outside? What kinds of things can I do that would be super fun outside uh, just like they are inside? So carryover is so, so important with those things. So if you play a little sleeping game, I call that the night-night game. Kids love that where they're pretending to sleep. And how I play it is the child will... I Get down on the floor, put his little head on the floor, and even if we're doing this with baby dolls or some other kind of character or whatever we're doing, you know, we say, shh, it's time for night-night, or, you know, do you want to play the night-night game, and then right after that, the shh, and then putting his head down, and then pretending like we're snoring, and then counting, one, two, three, and then we jump up and say, wake up. So if that's a fun little routine that you've done inside, try that outside, especially when you see something that looks like it's asleep. Or let's say that you look at uh, the cat across the street is taking a nap. That might be something that you say is, oh, look, that that cat's going night-night. Look at that cat. That cat's night-night. Let's play night-night. And you're not going over to the cat and actually waking the cat up, but you're talking about the cat and You've got that carryover of that nice little game that you use inside. So that's what you start with, with your verbal routines for outside, things that you've already done inside that are already successful. Uh, and let's walk through some maybe newer ideas that you would do too. I would come up with a routine and a verbal routine so that you can even get outside. So something like, you know, ooh, let's go outside. You want to go outside? Time to go outside You know And your key there Is you're saying Two or three little phrases For outside Is your last word In that phrase And the child Is hearing that Over and over and over And then it might be Something like You know Getting your shoes on Talking about that But then you've lapsed Back into your Verbal routine Where you might have A child knock on the door And say knock 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 And he imitates Your knocking And imitates saying You know You'll have to do it Three or four times And say knock Knock and then, you know, your little pause there and wait for him to say knock uh, and, and repeat that over and over and over. And then you might say, you know, open or, um, you know, open door, you know, whatever you think that child would be able to say. If he can't do any two-syllable words yet, if you're not really working on that, but he's got a good D in dada I would go for door there. I would make door my keyword, So I would do my knock knock, 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 open door, and, again, you want to really emphasize that word. You want to make it so that it's, it, he hears you say it over and over and over again. So you'll do this over many days, many weeks even, so that you are really establishing that. And I, I talked about this before, but I didn't really say what I wanted to say. Many times with parents... We'll watch the little videos or we need to watch the videos that they've made and then we need to write down what we want to say. We need to select our vocabulary and then we need to write it down so that we are really planning so that a parent can be highly consistent consistent with that kind of routine because sometimes we forget from day to day what worked. What Yesterday I remember that we were going outside and she really loved this and she was totally into this, but oh, what did I say? What word did she try to say? Now, if you're a parent, you probably remember, if you're a parent of a late talker because you – have your DVR going all the time, you think she said this, and she said this, and she said this, but if she's not your only child and you have a really full life, you might even forget during that time, you know you know yesterday she said something that was really exciting, but I cannot remember what it was. That's why documenting it and keeping some data on what you should say. And I've had parents stick up little notes in their homes so that they remember. This is what we said yesterday, and this is what works so well, or this is what I want to say, or this is what I want my husband to say to our child all the time. And if I don't write this down, I may not tell him the right way, and he is surely not going to remember unless I give him some help with that. So write down your little verbal routines and keep them, you know, if you're doing this beside the door, and this is a new routine for you too. Keep it right by the door so he'll remember. And then so let's keep going with this routine. We've talked about outside. Let's go outside. It's time to go outside. Let's go play outside, and then we're ready. We're at the door, and we do our knock, 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 and we're waiting for them to say knock, and then we've done open or open door, you know, whatever we decided based on that child's individual strengths there. What do we think he could say? Then we're going to maybe open the door and then get outside. And then one thing I would do is turn around and wave bye-bye to the house, you know, bye-bye, bye-bye house, bye-bye. And if if waving is something you're working on or bye-bye isn't a fully established word yet, they're not completely consistent with that, you've added another opportunity that you've probably not done before and that you may may get bye-bye better in this context than you've ever gotten in with a person. Or, again, you're doing some carryover He's saying bye-bye a little bit, but now you've given him another opportunity to really practice that. So look at what we've done. We've added some new words there. We've thought about how this can be individualized for a specific child based on his sound repertoire, the sounds he can already say. We've done some gestures in here with uh, uh, knocking on the door, with knock, 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 and then waving bye-bye. We've taken something he likes to do if it's go outside, so we've made it really, really relevant for him. So can you see how really thinking about these verbal routines and then linking all of these concepts together, how much with just a little planning, how much you can accomplish by doing that with the late talker. So that's great. We've gotten a routine for going outside. We've gotten that established. So what would we do next? I like a little song that sometimes I sing it marching, marching, but a lot of times I sing it walking, walking because kids uh, certainly hear the word walk. You know, we tell them, don't run, walk. But this little song, I would probably do that next. So let me just sing it for you. Walking, 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 walking. Hop, 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 hop. Running, 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 running. Now we stop. Great little song for teaching verbs. Kids love it. Stop is usually a word, you know, because it's at the end. And now we, you know, and a kid will pop out ah for stop or op or top or whatever, whatever uh, sound substitutions they're doing there. Who cares? They're trying to say stop, and that's a great, great thing. A lot of kids, I will, after we've sung that song for a while, they will start filling in the last. Word of each of those phrases. So walking, 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 you know, and you're pausing there for a kid to try to say wa or wa e or whatever they say for walking, and then the hop, hop, hop part. So you'll be able to get some additional fill ins there. and and get some additional points, but only after you've really, really worked on that. So that would be, and they've heard it over and over and over. So that would be another little routine that I would do with those action words, outside presents, the perfect opportunity for working on those verbs. So that's another one. Digging is a really big thing, playing in dirt, playing in sand, whatever uh, material you have available to you, but a little shovel. If you don't have a shovel, a spoon from the kitchen will work. And so little digging things, and toddlers absolutely love that when you when you give them an opportunity to do that. So you need to think about what kinds of things can I say in this routine. What sounds does the child already have? And, again, I say I use, you know, dig, 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 dump. Or if they, uh, let's say they have a good do, or you're working on battles with the child. So I might say scoop, scoop, scoop it up, scoop, scoop, scoop it up. You can see what you're trying to do there is make it very rhythmic. Try to pull sounds that a child can already say or maybe even that needs a child needs to say, like we just talked about that ooh for scoop. Just think about your words. Think about what you're choosing there. What would be a good thing to say? And then use that same Phrase those so same words, over and over and over. And I'll tell you, too, your intonation goes a long way with this. And we talked about it with Ready, Set, Go. You can't just speak conversa- a conversational tone of voice. Pump yourself up there. you Be melodic. Be rhythmic. And this is why this technique also works really, really well for children who don't like singing. There are children who will cover their ears and who seem to just be set off. And really just like singing, those kids have auditory sensitivities. And so for whatever reason, that singing just drives them a little nuts. They just don't like it quite as well. They are just sensitive there. And so with those kids, verbal routines really, really work better even than singing because you are still doing uh, your rhythmic way of speaking and you're almost chanting. One thing I always say when I talk about verbal routines with – When I teach live courses, is channel your inner, dear, but think about it in that way with just sort of chanting, um, these kinds of things for a child to say. So other kinds of things you can do. You can certainly, uh, let's say you're going, you're playing on the slide. So think about things as the child is climbing the ladder. You say up, 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 and then when the child is ready to sit down, you say sit down, and then time to slide. Ready, set, go, or go. One, two, three, whee, as he slides down. And so think about the opportunities there. Certainly up, 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 and then sit down is a big one, and ready, set, go, or whee. Those are fantastic keywords. And it doesn't matter what, if you skip the sit down part, or if you like one, two, three, better than ready, set, go, it doesn't matter. The point here is you are so predictable and so consistent. And use this routine so frequently that a child learns to say that too. So if you're swinging, what are some things that you could say? I say, as I push the child, I say, you know, or let's start at the beginning of the routine. I'll say something like, oh, it's time to swing. You ready? And I love saying up, up, up as I'm picking a child up. And after a while, you will pause. You know, you'll say up, up and have a child, if he can, fill in the word up. Then you'll sit him down on the swing, and then I do a ready, to take over. one, two, three. And again, while I'm pushing, I'll say, push, wee push, wee push, wee," And can you see how you're also being pretty consistent with your word choice, even between sliding and swinging? And so you're using the same kinds of words. Now, at the beginning, you may not want to do that. You may just want to keep, you know, each routine really, really separate. But it does help with carryover, especially for a lot of those kids. And if you think about... You know, he needs a lot of repetition. He needs a lot of opportunities to begin to say "we" or to begin to say down. You, know, you do want to make it, uh, you may want to may want to have some carryover from routine to routine like that. You can even do some things with some kids who aren't quite ready for words yet, but you're really wanting them to use more sound effects or play sounds. So say like you're turning on the water outside, you may uh, be getting ready to water the plants. You may want to wash the porch, whatever you're getting ready to do with the water. So something like, you know, turning on the water and saying, oh, you know, turn, 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 here it comes, get ready, and then shh, like a water sound like that. Or you may say water. There. You may have a child say, water on. So, again, it doesn't matter what you say. Just pick your words and stick to it. We already kind of talked about this as well, but match some songs to what you see. We talked about that with the night-night game with maybe the cat that's sleeping. But let's say your child really likes the song wheels on the bus. If you see a bus, you ought to just launch into that song. That's a great opportunity to really emphasize that song. And, again, you want to set it up where he's doing the hand motions with you, but that you're also pausing so he can fill in those words. Think about other things that you see when you're outside and think about, you know, ooh, I need a song for this. You can always go in and when you go back inside, Google it or Remember Later or YouTube it, see if there's some little song. Or better yet, uh, make it up. Come up with your own little song. Uh, I do the little Wednesday night program at my church, my really small church, and I only have one little guy in there. And actually, it's a little guy that I also see for therapy. And I also see him on Wednesday afternoon, so, boy, does he get, you know, triple Laura that day. Uh, But when I was working with him last week, our little lesson was God Made the Sky. And so I thought, I need a song. He's responding really well to songs. What should I do with this? And so you can just really launch into that and just your key is be consistent. Put some hand motions with it. So we did God Made the Sun, and I circled my arms up over my head, and then God made the sky, you know, holding my arms out, and then God made the trees. And uh, that's our upcoming lesson. So I you know, held my hands up like I was a big, tall tree, and then God made me because that's one of the words that he can say, and we've learned that sign, and now he's popping out that word. So think about that too. Think about how can I take how can I make a, a familiar take a familiar word with a verbal routine, put it in there so that he's got some instantaneous success with it and then still work that new word in as well. And I like tree and me because they rhyme and as a speech language pathologist I think, well if he can say me, I can get something at the beginning of that E to make it uh, be closer to tree. You know, maybe we can get T, maybe we can get You know, just an E there, you know, God made the E, God made me, you know, for that. So use this little thing. Think about what can I do to make up this original routine here. But you've got to remember it. You can't just do it one or two times. Like, I'm going to repeat this little song with him forever, you know, and it's all because we made it up last Wednesday night, uh, spur of the moment. So think about how you can do that, too. Uh, let me give you another little song or two A little routine that's works pretty well for me Or when we see a bird uh, The little song uh, Jack and Jill So here's how it goes Two little blackbirds sitting on a hill And so you hold up two fingers in front of your body And then one named Jack And so you move your little finger One little index finger And then one named Jill And you move your other finger And then fly away Jack Fly away Jill So you make your fingers fly away you know, one in, to the right and then one to the left, and then come back, Jack, come back, Jill. That little song is great. I sing it all the time when I see birds, but I have really helped kids learn how to isolate their index finger, and that's fantastic for pointing. So if you have a child who's not a great pointer, let's say that he even tries to maybe point with his thumb, which is really common with kids with Down syndrome or other kinds of motor planning challenges or uh, even motor tone issues. They're just not great pointers. That's a great song. And so can you think about, man, I use that for a verbal routine. I'm working on pointing with that. I'm working on joining attention with that. I'm working on him following directions with that. We're certainly working on uh, his language skills, just being able to see a bird and identify a bird and then use that little verbal routine too. So you've accomplished lots and lots of goals just with that one little activity. So see what you can come up with this week as you're thinking about verbal routines and especially see what you can come up with as you encourage parents this time of year to get outside and to really, really uh, maximize all those opportunities that we have every day to be better regulated, to sleep better, and just to get to do something different in getting outside and enjoying this beautiful, beautiful spring weather. All right, that's all for today. I hope that's given you some great ideas. I'd love your feedback if you have some great little, uh, little opportunities to get out there. All right, that's all for today. Thank you